Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? My check engine light's on. Mm, that could hurt your gas mileage. The AutoZone free fix finder service can help find the fix for free. Get in zone. This whole report for free? That's right. Printed and on your phone for free. Get in zone. But what if the fix is too tough? We'll recommend a local shop. Fix Finder, only at AutoZone. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome to Nerdificent. Uh, I'm one half Nerdificent. Your host, Ify Wadi Wayne, sitting across from me is the other half of Nerdificent, Danny Fernandez. Mm-hmm. Ify, we both sound really good. Oh <laughs> yeah, no. I, I feel like you might be a little sick. <laughs> yeah, no. I woke up and it was just like frog throat city, and I have had to talk all day. So I actually like when my voice is frog throat city. Yeah. But mine will get into smoker-ish. It'll be like Lindsay Lohan. Uh, <laughs> and then I love doing my VO auditions that way. So oh, I'm sure that's great for the chords. Just, yes. Just going through the whole range. But uh, yeah, no, speaking of range and, and hitting the ups and bottoms of what we can do as people and fans, today we're tackling fan films. Fan films, yeah. We're also having our friends come in that uh, have made a couple of very popular fan films, uh, Robot Underdog, so they will be joining us a little bit later. But if you off the top of your head, like what are some fan films that you remember? Oh, man. The fan films I remember, the, I think the latest one that comes to mind, besides the ones Donnie and Rita did, which is DBZ Light of Hope, is the one we were talking about just before we got started, which was the Power Rangers one. Yeah. It was like dark and gritty. And everyone was like, what? It'd be crazy if this was the Power Ranger." And then Power Rangers came out in their little semi-gritty. I don't want to say it was dark. It was still, I feel like it was pretty much Power Rangers. But I feel like the excitement for the fan film might have been yeah. I ultimately think it, got the green light. I do agree with that, I think, and we'll get into that, but I think a lot of these fan films do help hype up the actual properties themselves. Oh, yeah. And probably also showing the companies like what could be done and the uh, the demand for it. But getting into what fan films are, uh, so they're essentially film or video that's inspired by you know a comic book, a television program, some type of source like that. It's made 
pretty much by amateurs, I would say. But this can lead to having professional filmmakers actually working on the project, um, which we'll get into as well. Uh, but yeah, the, so the main issue that they kind of run into is because they are fans. They're not the copyright holders. So whether they should be allowed to do this, like what actually, as far as fair use, what they're allowed to do, we're going to tackle that too in this episode. Yeah, no, I think that's very interesting and we'll get more into that later, but the allowing to do it and just kind of the legality of it all. And I feel like for most people, it's pretty kosher because it tends, it's usually free, usually on YouTube. Uh, and I think that's what makes it so beautiful because it has heart. It's not done for profit. It's done just because they're so passionate about it. Yeah. Just like cosplay. It's like the next step up where it's like, okay, we got the cosplay down, but let's actually do our own spinoff. Let's see what that's popping. Yeah. But like if we're looking at cosplay, when you start making money off of someone else's IP mm-hmm. and you start selling calendars or things like that, which I'm totally for, but a lot of these companies and sometimes studios, they will, we know of a couple that have gotten shut down as far as um, fan films or YouTube videos and stuff for using their trademark characters, essentially. Yeah. I think what happens is when it gets bigger than they expected it to be. Oh, 100%. And when it looks better, maybe, than the film that they made. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> when this amateur filmmaker got their friends together and made a better film than your studio. It gets a little spicy. It, it does. But then there's also stories of it being a happy ending where now mm-hmm. something, they get the rights to, the actual rights to something and get to create something dope. But we'll get, like I said, more into that later. We'll just start with the history. Our deep dive. Of our deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Yeah, so the earliest known fan film is uh, Anderson Our Gang, which was produced in 1926, actually by a pair of filmmakers. So Our Gang is essentially the Little Rascals. Um, It was shot in Anderson, South Carolina, and uh, it was a short that was based off of Our Gang. And the only known copy resides in the University of South Carolina's uh, news film library. Nice. And it seems like the technology required to make fan films was the limited factor, which makes sense because I feel like we saw a boom in fan films like, yeah. in the YouTube age because of specifically access. When YouTube came around, it was the growth of the access of being able to produce video yourself. You know, back in the day, you had to have like the family cam that went on your <laughs> shoulder. And then it, the camera started getting smaller and more access until it was like a handheld. But also joint. like who was seeing it? Yeah. Just your family. Exactly. Whereas now with YouTube, you were able to have a larger audience and mainly of the same fandom to make it more popular. Oh, yeah. 100%. So going back further, after our gang um, in the 1960s, UCLA film student Don Glut filmed a series of short black and white uh, underground films that were essentially based on adventure and comic book characters like Superman, the Spirit, and Batman. And his final amateur film was 1969's Spider-Man. And then he moved on. So he was a success story. So because of the... uh, level of popularity of his films he actually moved into professional work full-time uh he went on to write for a ton of kids shows land of the lost transformers 
DuckTales, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> I was just looking at, oh gosh, if you have to show you the PSAs from G.I. Joe, they're so good. Oh I, yeah, I remember you, the more you know, yeah. <laughs> and then somebody did a parody of them that are, oh, I could not stop oh, laughing yeah. this week so and watching good. them. Uh, but then, okay, so Glut also went on to write for DC and Marvel Comics. Again, this was a fan who had made fan films and then went on to write for those properties. And he also did the Empire Strikes Back novel oh, nice. uh, that was based on the film. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like back then it probably was way easier to get a Spider-Man or Batman film than it is now. Like oh, now for sure. It's, now it's a big undertaking. It's if you get a superhero film, your name is it's like who is that guy? Yeah. But back then it was like, oh yeah, sure, have Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, as far as like popularity. If you do want to go back and watch all 41 of Glut's amateur films, there's a DVD set called I Was a Teenage Movie Maker, which I think is so cool and you can go back and watch all oh, yeah. those old films that he did. That's tight. And then in 1964, Andy Warhol produced a film called Batman Dracula, which could be described as a fan film. It was like his homage to Batman, except completely without DC Comics permission. <laughs> but he's Andy Warhol. Do you yeah. think, like, I wonder, yeah, yeah, he did it completely without their permission. And it was considered to be the first film that was featuring a blatantly campy Batman Yeah, back then, but... Yeah, you can actually still catch it. We'll try and leave in our footnotes on our site, we'll try and leave a lot of the YouTube links where you can watch some of these. Oh, yeah. So definitely check it out. Let us know what you think. <laughs> but then it wasn't until the 1970s that the popularization of science fiction conventions, uh, you know, like we talked about in our Comic-Con episode, <laughs> it allowed fans to show their films to a wider fan community, which is great because before it was just you and your friends, you would watch it, and I feel like when you see other people do things is when it really catches fire. So I can only imagine sitting down in a theater at a convention and see someone do a fan film to be like nudging my buddy and just, yo, we got to get on that. Yeah. Also, you can like live out all of your fan fiction. You know, it's basically like your fan fiction come to life, like whatever characters that you wanted to see battle each other, you finally get to have that. Danny. And the storylines that you want. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, since we haven't done a fan fiction episode, why don't you oh, break yes. down what fan, fan fiction, fiction is, is for everyone? Of course, fan fiction is something I'm very familiar with. <laughs> Someone that I wrote it when I was a teenager and kind of still read here and there. But <laughs> fan fiction is essentially fiction that is written by fans. <laughs> it cool. is stories about characters that are written. So Harry Potter fan fiction essentially would be stories about Hermione and, you know, Harry Potter and um, their romantic life or their daily life or whatever you want uh, to write about. But it's essentially these stories that are written short stories and some of them are actually have like 50 chapters. I have read fan fiction that has like 50 chapters long. <laughs> um but there are fan fiction sites, one of the most popular ones the last couple of decades that I used to play around on was fanfiction.net. Uh so if you ever want to read you you can find anything. Anything that you're into. If you're into Star Trek, if you're into Sailor Moon, whatever, it will be on there. 
But yeah, it's essentially uh, stories that are written by fans and they're damn good. There are some that are really good and those people should be getting paid for them. But yeah, I used to read uh, a lot of anime fan fiction and I would write some of it. So yeah, Yeah, it's basically the text version of this. (laughs) Yeah, it's basically the text version of a fan film um, and where you're able to kind of live out these these storylines that you have always wanted to see. Oh, yeah. But back to fan films. Now there's a ton of fan films. You know, you have Star Wars, Star Trek, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Doctor Who, anime fan films. Uh, You know, once again, plug in Light of Hope from our guest who you will hear later in the episode. But because fan films generally utilize characters and storylines copyrighted and trademarked by the original filmmakers, they are rarely distributed commercially for legal reasons. But like I said, you can just type fan film into YouTube and you'll have a plethora of things to play with. Because we now live in an age where not only is filmmaking accessible, but so is uh, special effects. You know, I'm, I'm even on Vines and Twitter videos, you're seeing some wild stuff. And Instagram, too. Yeah, on all the social media, I feel like you can see a lot of people. And like you were saying, with special effects, which to plug our friends again, who did DBZ Light of Hope, I know that they had a lot of, I think even in the first year that they started to the more recent years, that they actually were able to utilize more technology in their film. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, yeah. So filmmaker Sandy Colera, he actually gained a lot of notoriety in the early 2000s for a series of fan films he produced featuring Batman and Superman. But I think his most famous ones were Batman, it was Dead End, uh, and that premiered at San Diego Comic-Con in 2003. But World's Finest, his other found film, was actually prevented from showing in 2004 due to copyright claims from Warner Brothers. So he essentially, so Dead End was before Nolan's Batman trilogy, and it showed audience this like gritty comic book style Dark Knight film. And you can only possibly wonder that that probably excited audiences. Oh, 100%. I don't want to say that it necessarily influenced Nolan. I mean, it might have, but it probably got people hyped about seeing that type of Batman. 100%. And it's very interesting to see that Warner Brothers blocked a free screening because I don't necessarily think it was besides any power outside of their connection with San Diego Comic-Con. Like, I don't think they hit them with a C C and D or something. I think it was as simple as Warner Brothers being like, they can't show that. And we're Warner Brothers, and you better make sure they don't show it. Yeah, I wonder when Nolan was originally in talks. Like, what if it was at the same time? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I wonder if that could have influenced it because they were preparing to have Batman Begins. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, moving on, there's also uh, Star Trek New Voyages. That was a fan production, but it's another successful one where it attracted support from so many people as well as crew and cast members. That's another thing that we're seeing is a lot of times either voice actors or actors of the actual series or films, they love seeing these fan films. And when they get involved, then it ends up being greenlit. So Star Trek New Voyages was one of those. Another one was the Lord of the Rings fan films, Born of Hope and The Hunt for Gollum. And those debuted at RingCon. Ify, we didn't even talk about RingCon in our Comic-Con. Oh, man. I didn't even know that that existed. Yeah, me either. That's the first time I'm hearing I love that. that. So now there's, I love the specific ones because there's one coming up called Kamehameha Con. 
And then there's RingCon and um, Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, yeah. But to answer your question, by the way, so Warner Brothers hired Nolan in January of 2003. So, <gasps> well, look, this came out in 2003. Yeah, yeah. So 2004 was when they were like, we're not letting that happen again. Yeah. Especially because if they hired him in 2003, that year is probably when the buzz and talk started happening. The movie dropped in 2005. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. That could have been it. Even though a lot of people do see it as like free promotion or publicity. Yeah. My thing might be, it could possibly be because now fans have in their head how they want it to be. Maybe that's it. Maybe when they see this story, that's what they want and think that this new film is going to be. And so maybe that's why it got dropped. I definitely see that. Uh, So another one is The Legend of Zelda, uh, which is a very popular video game. And they had a fan film called The Hero of Time, uh, and that was also had a huge following. The movie premiered in Atlanta in 2009 and online in December of 2009, only to be shut down by Nintendo on January 1st, 2010. Nintendo is very litigious. They are very, very, very protective of their rights. So that was coming from a mile away. I think even the Hero of Time crew knew. Any Pokemon like fan-made game because there's a huge community of Pokemon fan-made games that get shut down almost instantaneously (laughs) because Nintendo is that litigious. So yeah, that was definitely going to happen. It's such a weird, and and when we bring Donnie and Rita on, you know, this is something I want to talk to them about because it is such a weird line and balance that you have to have is like these are fans these are amateur fans that are making something but then like we said it gains traction and a lot of times like people think this is harmless but no they'll get shut down oh yeah well because there is a level you get when you start to gain momentum and popularity that does in a way start to infringe upon the rights for the creators because like you were saying earlier sometimes fans make a film that the community will enjoy better than an right. actual copyrighted material. And they will use that as a scapegoat as to why it was unsuccessful. Instead of being like, oh, we didn't make the movie as good as it could be. It was like, well, people really like this version. Right. And they had an idea of what it should look like based off of this fan-made thing. So it ruined our chances. Which, in a way, could be kind of true. But... Lots of times it's mostly from the idea of, oh, this is how good it can be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, For those of you that don't know, uh, there was a live action Dragon Ball Z film, uh, which if you don't know, Dragon Ball Z is a very, very popular anime. There was a live action Dragon Ball Z film. I can't even remember the name of it. If he was the name of that. Which one? Oh, Evolution, right? Oh, Dragon Ball Evolution, yeah. Was it Evolution or Revolution? Evolution. I don't even, this is how much I don't care about that film. And it's my favorite anime. So anyways, that film was made by Fox. And then Donnie and Rita at at Robot Underdog, who are coming on, they made their own fan film. And you should see the amount of comments that were like, this is what it should have been. Like, And these are, you know, amateur filmmakers as opposed to an actual studio. Uh, and so a lot of fans kind of kind of grasp onto that instead. Well, yeah, because it's funny because I feel like when you have a fan film, it's being created by people passionate about the source material. Right. So it'll follow it more closely. It'll take less risks and try and be true to the source 
versus a Hollywood one, which wants to always I feel like the problem with a lot of nerd properties that Hollywood tries to tackle that only recently has been broken was the is basically like the habit of trying to approach the source material and go, let's make this realistic and uh-huh. or this, for everyone. Yeah, I hear or, that all the time. Yeah. For a big audience. A hundred percent. And it's what's happened on a larger scale to Hollywood where people are afraid to take creative risks because they would much rather try and make something palatable. But lots of times the best piece of creative material is one that makes a choice. And when you're trying to make it for everyone, you're not making a choice. You're actually watering down the choices made. I think also when you're trying to make it for everyone, you piss off the fans. I oh, understand yeah. that you your market is not just the fans. I, your movie's not going to be successful than if it were just – even when you look at um, – like the latest run of Marvel films, I feel like they're not just made, and DC, but I yeah. feel like they're not specifically just made, like when they made Wonder Woman, they didn't just make it for comic book readers of Wonder Woman. Like they tried to appeal to a much larger audience, which they got. Well, I feel like with the smart way they did that, and here's, and first my take on that. My take on that is when people do that, when they're like, we're trying to make it for everyone, they're just being greedy. Because the reason you bought that the rights to that. The only reason is because you feel the fan base is big enough to support that, uh, the the thing you're creating. That's why you bought it. So now that you bought it, you're trying to be greedy. And I was like, how do I get more people on top of this instead of just making it the best and hoping people follow? Now, what I feel like movies like Wonder Woman and Black Panther and Black did Panther, well yeah. was they took the source material and looked at its actual the venn diagram of its actual source material they didn't look at outside reasons it can be better they looked at what they had and why it's good wonder woman is good even as a comic book because if you are a woman it's very empowering as a woman you can read wonder woman it's empowering as a comic book it's good for everyone so they took that and really blew that out so they're like let's make a movie that the comic book fans will see but women will really enjoy Mm-hmm. because this is a comic book on its own strength is empowering for women. So it's it, it, that's a smart move to look for ways for that. And I feel like Black Panther did the same thing, same Venn diagram. This comic book is a good comic book character for comic book fans, but if you're a black person, this is good. So how do we make this movie a good movie for all black people, even if you don't like comic books? Right, because that's what I saw a lot of tweets of, was like, I'm not even into comics. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely love this film. It's it's real funny listening to the read when they talk about it because Kid Fury's like a real big comic book fan and Crystal does not care for it. So it's interesting to hear both sides in one take. And it is. And it goes even bigger that you don't even have to be black because the fact of the matter is if you make a good product for a marginalized group, a minority group, if it's good enough, everyone's going to still like it. But – that doesn't take away the fact that that's who it was made right. for. Right. Yes, I agree. And I also feel like it's so interesting when people are like, oh, I really related to this. It was like, yeah, um, you know, <laughs> people of color do also have uh, similar stories yeah, yeah. and, we, and family issues. Yeah. yeah, weird, weird. Oh, you have a little kid sister? Weird. Um. Anyways, so I agree. But I do remember that when Wonder Woman came out, there were a lot of women that were like, I'm not, and this isn't stereotyping anything. I read a fucking ton of comics 
but I had a lot of friends of mine that said, you know, I don't read comics and I'm very into it. It was also a good war film. Yeah, it had all the nice uh, sides. But we've been dancing around it, but let's fully jump into the legal stuff. So a fun thing is uh, Canada's Copyright Modernization Act explicitly added an exemption which allows non-commercial creation of fan film material in 2012. That is, man, that's so cool because that really is a modernization of your Copyright Act because it's taking into account a trend that is happening right, right, right. and protecting people who's doing those trends because at the end of the day, yeah, they're not trying to make money. They're just trying to make a fun thing that they can share with the fan base. Yeah. And there's no harm in that. And like you were saying, it does create buzz for it. And lots of times, another thing that's being said on Light of Hope is like, man, this gets me excited to see like a yes. full studio right. Dragon Ball Z movie. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. How it could look and also a studio that would like respect the property. I exactly. agree. So moving on to 2013, this one was a big one. So U.S. court ruling Lenz versus uh, Universal Music Group. So essentially a woman named Stephanie Lenz, she posted on YouTube a home video of her kid dancing to Prince's song, Let's Go Crazy. And Universal, so it wasn't Prince, Universal sent YouTube a takedown notice basically claiming that her video violated their copyright. And so the court ruled and acknowledged that creative fan activities on copyrighted works might fall under fair use, and they asked that copyright holders check and respect fair use before using these DMCA takedown notices, uh, which is DMCA's the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Uh, yeah, that essentially, yeah, tackles some of that fair use. This was all the crossfire that happened with YouTube's messy breakup with Universal Music Group in the first place because they used to have a partnership and that's why they had all the videos up there. And the moment that partnership ended, they did a wide sweep of takedowns. And if you weren't smart about fair use laws like me back then, I had a very popular YouTube video where I was parodying this video of these guys called – it was called like this. Late Night Special and they were humping – uh, Ottoman, it was like on every late night show. Well, me and my friends did a parody. We had the Pretty Ricky song in the background, late night special. We got the takedown. I freaked out. You know, now I see it and I roll my eyes because I've <laughs> seen it enough. Yeah. But if you're on YouTube as a kid and you see that, it's a very legal like notice and you freak out and you're like, you remove the song, please. I don't want to be sued. Yeah. Well, it also sucks because a lot of these people, I mean, aside from this, this was like her just posting a video of her kid dancing. When you can take stuff down like that, I feel like that has a, a huge precedent as far as what they're allowed to take down. We have a lot of friends that do movie reviews or they'll review TV shows. And it's like they have to be super careful about their fair, fair use as far as like even what they're allowed to show, how much they're allowed to show. Uh, so it's super gray uh, when it comes to a lot of these IPs and and companies. Some are much more stricter than others. I think a lot of anime companies are a lot more stricter, some of them that I can think of. But since fan films tend to be fairly long and extensive in nature, it's a lot harder to kind of just wave it as fair use um, because they're not just using like a still or a tiny bit of a, a teaser trailer. Like they're actually making an entire film. Some companies see it and think of it as free promotion, and others don't. 
And we'll uh, we'll get into that with Donnie and Rita of Robot Underdog right after this. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Get in zone, Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome back to Nerdificent. I am Danny Fernandez. I'm Ify Wadiway. I hope you enjoyed the, that ad for, I'm just going to assume it was Atlanta Monster again. I've been hearing those <laughs> ads going back and forth. I'm, I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, but, you had a correction, Ify. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to correct something. So right before the break, I was saying that uh, Universal Music Group had a nasty split with YouTube, but it was actually Warner Music Group that had a split from YouTube. Universal Music Group has been hand-in-hand in in a deal with YouTube that allows them to just uh, pull videos that they feel infringes upon them at their their leisure. Yeah, So that's why it's pretty quick when it's a Universal Music because they, since they have a contract with YouTube, all they have to do is cough and it just plucks the video. (laughs) And it's gone. Yeah. Uh, so we are joined here by two of our very good friends, uh, Donnie and Rita McMillan from mm-hmm. Robot Underdog. What's hey, guys. Up? Glad to hey. be here. Thanks yeah, for yeah. having us. Yeah, of course. Sure. So y'all have, I'm just going to say, like the most popular Dragon Ball Z fan film that is out there. Yeah, that's just facts at this point. Yeah, that's like, just facts. Not, like, not it's not even my biased opinion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I've... Don't know what to say. That was about as good of a compliment as you can get. Um, yeah, it's done really well. It's been a lot of fun. Just yeah, what are your current numbers journey. for your for both of them? Um, I think total it? it's over 30 million. I mean, it's definitely <gasps> over 30 million what? for both of them. Oh, wow. Collectively, yeah, yeah. It, the first one did insane. It just blew up. I don't yeah, – we, so we kind of didn't even know why. Yeah, walk – and that's <laughs> – that's Light of Hope. Uh-huh. Um, so how did y'all get started? When did you get started? Like, what year was it when you got started? When did you decide that you were going to make a Dragon Ball Z fan film? How did you? How did that happen? 
Um, so we started with <laughs> actually a long time. <laughs> the first fan film we did was a Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man. So okay. that is the black Hispanic Spider-Man who was one of our favorite characters. I'm Hispanic. Donnie's black. Boom. Mc- boom. <laughs> You're like, this is it. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> the Venn diagram. <laughs> Miles Morales. So that's how we actually got started into fan films was we wanted to represent characters who weren't being represented in film that were, of course, minority and also just characters we love and uh, think bring something new to the genre, like geek culture. So we started with the Miles film. And then after that, for some crazy reason, we thought that we should do the hardest live action project ever, (laughs) which was Dragon Ball Z. And that was probably, what, 2014? I just want to say, because like you were saying with the hardest, most people argue that Dragon Ball Z cannot be made into live action. Yeah. I hear that all the time. That was quite literally, like, because it was at the beginning of us launching our YouTube channel. So we were thinking, all right, we did the Spider-Man thing. What can we do next that will be like like everyone says you can't do it because they just come out with um, evolution, right. Dragon Ball evolution. Yeah, we, we talked about that <laughs> or didn't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. but. Well, that's the thing. That's like our number one comment, and anything we do is better than evolution. We're like God, we hope so. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but that was the thing. We're like, well, if and Hollywood to go back, couldn't do it, evolution. Yeah, like you were saying, evolution just was the one that Fox had made. Yeah, yeah, and being filmmakers, we're thinking, well. Like, we wanted to kind of align everything. We wanted the channel to do well, but wanted to showcase our filmmaking skills. So if we could do something that Hollywood couldn't do on a micro budget, then job well done kind of yeah. thing, you know? And we wanted to prove that these films that fall flat when they're superhero-based, uh, it's a lot of times just feels like fans aren't involved in the creative process. Oh, yeah. And so it was the whole thing. It was like, well, let's, let's be for the fans, by the fans, and show them that when geeks freak out over movies being wrong it's justified because they actually a lot of times have better opinions yeah we're actually saying before the break how the reason that tends to happen is because you know hollywood has this problem with trying to make it super relatable trying to make it for everyone and then watering down the actual perspective of the piece and the source material maybe yes and when you do that you alienate the fans and you also ruin the story itself like the reason it has a fan base is because it's a unique story and perspective so in order to embolden that you have to embrace it and Mm -hmm. look from there versus the other way of looking at it as like okay these nerds like this thing, but obviously everyone's not going to like this thing. So how do I make it like everyone nerds are going to spend their money because it has the name? And it's that, yeah. no, that's how you get your movie roasted and uh, you end up like Dragon Ball. Yeah, it's super arrogant. Oh, it's that's the what most I was about arrogant approach. Is like, it's a lot of arrogance. Like we got to talk to a director who was, we can't say who, but he actually interviewed to direct the Akira movie. Oh, nice. And uh, he was basically just saying that it's old Hollywood and they're so arrogant. Like, even if you have numbers, they don't care. Wow. Like, he was saying that they either needed to be set in the United States, all white cast. Like, wow. Which is going to piss people off. Yeah, That's what I don't understand. The setting of the yeah, we, film is literally Neo Tokyo. You're going to piss off the fan base that you're planning to capitalize on. Yeah. Or it was either that or get no money, like a super low budget. And he tried to like tell him, he's like, look, I love this. It's like one of my favorite animes of all time. Like I tried to tell him, like I showed him all the numbers. They did <laughs> not care. They're just old and arrogant and they but don't want, they don't care. What's so funny is... 
when that fallout happens, then you get them trying to be like, well, it's, you know, we we're just trying to make it work and all this stuff. But literally, you weren't trying to make it work. As a matter of fact, you made an ultimatum for a white cast. Like, you, you really put the movie on the line where it's like, we're only going to make this movie if it can be a white cast. And it really just goes to show you, it's like, oh, you want diversity? All right, well, we won't give you any money. Yeah. Yeah. It's built off an old model. Because I, I thought about this a lot because I was thinking, like, why would people even make those kind of decisions? But- you know, if you go back 20 years before everyone had the internet, it kind of makes sense if you have oh, yeah. a white majority country to make something that caters towards that audience. I mean, you're still neglecting the other people in oh, the yeah. country, but at least you can make some sense out of it. Whereas now it's like we're all connected. Like we're yeah. globally connected. If you make a Japanese franchise, uh, if you tell a story from that world and you just totally whitewash it or just change it dramatically in any way – you're left with something totally new and different. That's why people freak out over like uh, Death Note on Netflix oh, or, yeah. you know, those kind of shows. Well, the thing uh-huh. is with both Death Note and something like Akira, Death Note could have just been a new person. Yes. Like if you think like Ryuk drops the notebook every so thousand years or every so hundred years, why not set it in like, I don't know, 3030 United States? It's a completely new kid. Yeah. Like if you want like an American <laughs> whitewash bad, cast, yeah. like you could do that with something else. Yeah, no, that's what's so wild about it. And even that's how I felt about Ghost of the Shell, where it's like Ghost in the Shell at its core skeletons would be a interesting story no matter who's at the mantle. Like it's just this cyber cop uh, using technology to solve crimes. It's basically just the future of crime. But when you use the same character, same name, and then cast Scarlett Johansson, that becomes a problem. It, it's a problem to sit in a movie and watch a white woman be addressed as a Japanese woman. Like, that's what's so funny is people are like, I don't see the problem. Well, they could have just acknowledged it. Like, like something like Altered Carbon. I don't know if you guys have seen oh, that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like the Asian guy dies and he wakes oh, right, up right, in right. the white guy's body. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, because they showed you that and it's like, it wasn't as bad because it's like, oh, okay, like we understand that this, he's still an Asian guy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like he's just in this body. You know, that's, that, that's me transparently seeing you cheat. You're like, oh, you're getting, <laughs> you're getting your diversity points. Hey, you're like, going to get people writing you because that was in the book oh, and people were very yeah. angry bl- uh, blogging well, about it. Oh, well, guess what? Then I guess the book is trash too. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. I don't give a damn. I don't care. Now y'all care about what's in the book? Like, that's what's so funny is, like, y'all weren't mad at the beguiled because they completely erased the black women in that story. But when, but oh, man, let somebody touch your oversaturated part of of Hollywood. No, no. It's like, yeah, no, it was, it was whack in the book. And it was whack now. You know, When you want to know what book also doesn't hold up, the Bible. That shit's <laughs> Now you're really going to get people writing you. We just celebrated Easter. What's your Twitter handle? (laughs) They'll get it at that. That stuff is outdated. I wanted to ask y'all, what what are some fan films that you enjoy? Did you watch any like over while you were making yours? Were you inspired? Are there ones now that you particularly like? Oh, yeah. There's a lot. I guess I'll just start naming a couple of my favorite. We're actually really good friends with the East Mahawk crew. Uh, Danny Shepard, Jeremy Lee... All those guys. And they had the Nightwing the Series oh, fan film yeah. that came out that we watched and really loved. And a few before that was like Batman versus Predator. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called. That, that's the first one I've ever seen and still one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably, it's so SD and like, 
you know, just old. It's probably like super pixelated. But when I saw that, I was like, <laughs> you could make your own Batman movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, we were talking about um, Dead End. Do you guys see that? Oh, that is the same That's one. That's the same one. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Batman yeah. Batman Dead End. Yeah. There's also Severus Snape and the Marauders by our good friend That's Justin Zagri. That's a good Zagri. one, yeah. It's really um, good. His channel's Broadstroke Productions that he's working on. I think he's going to try uh, Cowboy Bebop and uh, like an anime, perhaps. And then there's... Troopers. Was it Troopers? Yeah, Troops. Troops. Oh, man, mm-hmm. that's a good one. That yeah. is a good one. Yeah, so Troops was a parody of Star Wars and Cops, essentially. It was like a mockumentary oh, yeah, I remember uh, that. fan film yeah. set in the Star Wars universe where they're essentially like interview. It's like an everyday glimpse of uh, stormtroopers on the job. It's hilarious. It's oh, wow. it's shot and edited just like an old episode of Cops. It's perfect, yeah. Oh, yeah. I felt really bad that I somehow missed that for the longest time. We we met the the guy that made it at a panel at a con a couple cons ago. And uh, I was just blown away. I was like, wait, how did I not see this? Because it's like when it, 15 when years it old. originally debuted, it there was wasn't the internet. Wow. Yeah, it was not like YouTube. So right, it like, right, right. premiered at Comic-Con. It did yeah. premiere at San Diego Comic-Con, yeah, in 1997. Uh, it was done by Kevin Rubio, Sean yeah. Jordan, and Patrick Perez. Yeah, yeah. Another one, another Star Wars one was Chad Vader. Do you I all never remember? saw that So one. Chad Vader yeah. was the younger brother of Darth Vader. That's funny. <laughs> uh, and uh, that was actually, that became really popular on Channel 101. And George Lucas was a fan of the series. So Matt Sloan That's got funny. hired as the voice of Darth Vader for the Force Unleashed video game. So just showing that when wow. you have a popular fan film or fan show, and the people that are involved, I think that's the other thing. Like the people that are involved also enjoy it. Then you can sometimes be yeah, brought yeah. in for the for the real, well, that's, real deal. That's what's interesting with Star Wars fan films specifically is at least early on, it seemed like Lucas really embraced those uh, those films because a lot of those people it created a viable option to get into the industry. Yeah. So uh, the guy that did Troopers, he I think he's doing the comic book. Like he's making a Star Wars comic book now. Yeah, <laughs> like, because he was yeah. such Legit. a huge fan. Yeah. yeah. Something great. There are the legal hoops, mm-hmm. and you do have a 30 million hit Dragon Ball Z fan film. Have you gotten any any problems from that? Has, has Toei hit you up or any? I mean, with, well, with the fan film, no. I mean, they've actually, we've actually got a pretty, we got a weird relationship with Toei, I'd say, because they like us and we get invited <laughs> to a bunch of cool mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. yeah. But you know, when you're dealing with videos on YouTube, just because the people at the company are supportive of whatever you're doing, you still have like people that their job is to like, just kind of mass flag videos. Oh. Yeah. So what we get, we get hung up on our like reaction videos or and oh, stuff yeah. like that. So we have to be really careful because it's, it feels like we're on a short list sometimes because yeah. It felt weird because oh. we had 30 million views right, right, right. on our films, uh-huh. but then our reaction videos but without yeah, as, the video. As far as the films, yeah. though, there's been no, I mean, it's all been positive. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is the time that we released the pilot was actually when uh, A.D. Shankar, like almost the same day he released the bootleg Power Rangers. Yeah. And they got taken down <gasps> and went I didn't to know court. That. Yeah. Oh, shoot. So, right. But because he's rich and a producer and has Hollywood connections, like he fought uh, Sabin. And one. Oh wow! And so that that court case has kind of set the precedence yeah. for like if you're creating all of your if you're re- writing an original script, creating original video, original soundtrack, everything is your own original work. 
that case kind of stands as a precedence to say, okay, they can legally do this. It falls within oh, nice. the fair cre- use. Fair use. Yeah. We really make a point to at the beginning. It's like this isn't you know this is a tribute to the source material. We credit the the original creators, and you know we do yeah. everything we can just to kind of lighten any issue that there yeah. would be there. Basically, the checklist yeah. is: don't take away money from the official releases. Don't use any of their like sound effects, images, stuff like that, and then let people know that you're not the official one. Like as long mm-hmm. as you're not confusing people and like mm-hmm. trying to pretend like yeah. you're an official product, they're going to be cool. Yeah, because I think half the reason the Power Rangers video got in such uh, hot water is they were legitimately making that new Power Rangers movie. Oh yeah, and so it confused them because we actually got in trouble with our Miles Morales um, project. And what's weird is Brian Michael Bendis straight up like created a fan film uh, like contest. contest just because he oh, saw it in a couple yeah. of things. Wow. Yeah. And I think we won it. I think we were number one or we were on what? the What? Y'all the don't even list. remember? It like, was oh, you know, we, we won so <laughs> many here. awards. No, it's and... not like that. It was just, you know, it was one of many things. But I'm like, pretty sure we were number one. <laughs> well, what was cool is we got to meet him. And we, That's we, so we, cool. Like, we were like, hey, we're the ones that did the so Miles we... Morales thing. And he, he, we, is it still We're kind of geeking out about it. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, we'll put it in the show notes so y'all can go check it out. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. but okay. Really so, 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 you, but you got flagged. So yeah, so it was weird because we tweeted Michael Bendis, and he was like, "Oh, this is great!" And again, the contest got made, and we were on there, and so we're like, "Oh, it's all good." But, but we then, released the exact same week as the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. So and we were promoting it as like, you know, whole Spider-Man thing, <laughs> and I think that's why we got flagged. Yeah, but it was funny because when we were kind of dealing with all that, we got word from even people within uh, Sony that they really liked it and everyone had seen it. And we're like, oh, this is that's cool, but yeah. can we get a video back? Yeah. <laughs> we so ended they up getting you... it back, but okay. it took oh. a long time. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. No, it was actually, can we get our channel back? Because they, oh, that's right. <gasps> they took yeah, your yeah. channel? That's why we're Robot Underdog 2. That's right. What? That's right. <laughs> so is Robot Underdog, the original one, just gone? For we, like a year it, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it had to be down for like a year. We reclaimed it when it came back, but we had already grew all the subscribers on the other channel. That's so I can't believe. Uh, I can... always wondered why you were a robot yeah. underdog too. That's... We need to do like a switcheroo kind of thing because there's got to be a way yeah. we can do that. Yeah, that's that's so frustrating to me that they can actually take your channel for an entire year. Okay, so what they do is if you get three copyright strikes within three months, then your channel's disabled for like a year or whatever, and so. Was they, it all from Miles Morales? Yes, one? Okay. because they not only flagged the trailer, like the teaser trailer we released, but they flagged every behind-the-scenes video we did oh where we even God. said the word Miles Morales. Really? So even if we didn't have footage, we didn't have comic book stills. How they can just, they do that? Because they're a huge corporation, and we were nobody at the time. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have a network behind us. We had like five to 10,000 subscribers, if that. It was our very first project. Like, we don't... We could have I mean, fought it. We were just naive and scared. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, no, yeah Knowing now, yeah. we probably could have. But without a but, network and like, without, well, with yeah. your fan base, you could. Your fan no, we base would fan base. Right, right, right. Now I feel like oh, your yeah. fan base would go to war. Yeah, over, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Would take them down. I feel like. Yeah, it would be a lot better now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but what if you were just reviewing the Miles Morales like comic book? Because what you said is you also get flagged for reaction. So I know a lot of what y'all do is also like Dragon Ball super after reactions and mm-hmm. stuff do you get flagged for those or well, what what reactions are you getting flagged well, for i mean it's weird because we're we actually don't even show the video at all right like we yeah. just say hey one two three sync up 
we, oh, they can't hear the audio. Doing like a watch along. Yeah, because okay. we don't want any legal issues. But like I said, it seems like we're on some kind of short list, you know, Maybe. because we're so known for the Dragon Ball for Dragon Ball content. So for whatever reason, no, we did a couple where people were complaining. So we're like, okay, so I'll play it on my iPhone. It like our lens has very shallow depth of field, so it's like, we'll put it completely out of focus. I'll turn the brightness down. Like literally, they could just see like flashes. It was like unidentifiable, but people who were also watching along could kind of get like some visual cues to know where we were in the episode. And that video got flagged a couple months ago. <laughs> and uh, so we fought it. And it was actually from a copyright troll like company, like oh, basically yeah. like a company that makes money off of <gasps> taking down these videos. Oh. So they were like a law firm. And uh, what's crazy is whenever you fight a copyright strike on YouTube, it literally says, if you fill out this form, you're saying, I agree to go to court. Like, they can sue you legally, like, if you submit this counter, like, a counter to it. And so we're just like, all right, let's just do it. It's just super and, intimidating. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so so we're going up against a law firm. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Here? <laughs> all right. But we really must want this reaction video back. No, because let's here's go. the thing. You have to, because if not, anytime you get a strike on YouTube, all of oh. your features are disabled. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. We can't live stream. We can't use YouTube space. We can't use like any of the things like we need to make content for our fans. So it was wait a whole three months or fight it out and try to win. And fortunately, we won. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's so. super dope. I feel like more creators. Yeah. I hope this is inspiring yeah. to more creators um, to fight back because I feel aside from that, also having pressure from the internet, I feel like your followers and stuff could also tweet at these companies to kind of step in and help you. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's just that intimidation factor when you're an independent person and you're going up against a company. But if you know you're in the right, fight. You know, well, don't let yourself too, get... Like, pushed over you can look up the things online but it's literally like if you know and you'll know if you know you're not taken away from the official release like nobody was watching our video in place of watching the episode the video right, was completely right, like right. yeah unidentifiable yeah. like that was in no way taking money away from mm -hmm. them so we had a case but like if you're just gonna straight like you know some people have like their reaction videos it's in the screen like even like what we did with you guys on funimation's channel like that i would say does not fall into fair use Oh yeah, hundred percent. We we had to get explicit permission from Toei. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did. We actually got permission from them directly. They sent us the download of an episode. We did a watch along for the second to last episode of Dragon Ball Super, and Donnie and Rita joined us for that. And uh, we were allowed to show the episode on YouTube because they explicitly sent it to us. So yeah. yeah. But uh, we're actually going to take a break, and after this, we will go into the future of fan films, right after this. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like... <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? 
I gotta change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. AutoZone. Restrictions apply. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome back to Nerdificent. I am Danny Fernandez. And me, who's beatboxed. Uh, if you may not know, I beatbox with my mouth the theme song and the interlude, uh, Iffy Wadiway. I appreciate it, Iffy. And yeah. we are joined again with Donnie and Rita of Robot Underdog. So, y'all, what do you think the future of fan films are now that there's like such technology where I feel like people can actually make, ins- like y'all's, like can make yeah. a real film? I mean, it is insane how accessible it's become, you know. I mean, even when we started, I felt like, you know, it felt accessible. Did we, the technology could... change a lot from when you started to... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just every year there's this new plug-in, there's this new software that allows you to, to do more cheaper. You know, there's new websites that have drones. pre-built assets. Drones. Drones, <laughs> drones are true. here. I mean... You can get so crazy on a small budget now. It's really, there's no excuse. I mean, ever since you've had 1080p on an iPhone, you could make movies oh, yeah. on, your, on, your, on your own if you want to. Now on the 10, you get 4K. That's, in, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I had someone come up to us. Uh, we were at a con. Uh, we did a panel. And after the panel, some young guy came up to me and he's like, hey, I want to make films like, uh, like Light of Hope. Like, what do you suggest or whatever? And it's like... That iPhone you have in your hand right now, that's mm-hmm. enough. Because he wanted to, he wanted the answer to be, buy this new camera, buy this, buy that. It's like, you actually have, like, first off, you're going to suck on the first thing you do. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be horrible. Except on, like, the it, first 10 things you yeah. do. Like, God, I, I'm so glad we had another secret old YouTube channel with, like, our old projects so you guys will <laughs> not about see Underdog them. 1. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It's going to take a while. So, like, you might as well just start on what you have. Yeah, because it's not the tools. Why your thing didn't turn out good isn't because of the tools you had access to. Yeah, yeah. And also, I think it is like the resources. Like, my brother has been teaching himself how to edit, and it's just been YouTube tutorials and, mm-hmm. like, Reddit stuff. And he's seeing the where he started and where he is now. It really is. You can learn almost anything off the internet, and that's gives so much more to you. For you free know? 99. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. Amazing. Yeah, so he's, like, using After Effects and all those things. And it's crazy to know that he just did that from just the gumption to, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to lock myself in this room and just watch these videos and follow these guys. But yeah. it's it's dope. That's it's beautiful awesome. because it's like, you know, college is expensive. And then to yeah. think that you're going to dive into a life of debt for an art degree that you <laughs> don't know if you'll yeah. ever make a dollar off of. Yeah. I mean – like we like did. <laughs> you, know what I mean? like, you can learn so much for free. You really don't need school anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to ever encourage someone to just not go to college, but 
highly consider it. If, if, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, look at what your career path is. Yep. I mean, what do you want to do? You want to be an entertainer? Maybe Google some stuff. First. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of writer, a lot of writers and filmmakers feel that way, where it's like something that you could teach yourself. Uh, especially now, like you were saying on YouTube, I know a lot of my friends have taught themselves editing from YouTube. Mm-hmm. Where would you recommend, aside from YouTube, like if someone is starting to make shorts or sketches or starting to make, you know, smaller fan films or even larger ones, where would you recommend them uploading their stuff? Is YouTube the only place for them to go or is there another, are there other outlets that you recommend? Well, we actually just started a new series on our channel. It's called Robot Underdog Presents. And it's basically like opening it up for other filmmakers who make fan films. So, I mean, we can't guarantee people have a lot of views, but we can say, okay, we've made this audience. They like geek stuff, sci-fi. If your film is good and you don't want to spend four years making a YouTube channel, because that's what we had to do. Like, it's not, you can't just upload something and expect people to see it. Like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you might get like 50,000 views, like maybe, but if you spend a year on a project, you want more. So, um that's definitely an outlet, and if people have films, they can, you know, hit us up. They can submit to you. Yeah, they can submit on our website, and, you know, if it's good, that's definitely something that we're willing to put on our channel and um, open that up. People could do Twitch, I guess. Like, we actually just started a Twitch channel because, um, as most people know, essentially YouTube stops sending notification to our subscribers and to every other YouTube channel. They don't notify people who've subscribed. So it's really shaking things up and having a lot of creators trying to figure out like what do I do like I've spent years of my life putting all this time and money into like this channel and people have said oh I'm committed like I want to watch your stuff and then you're dealing with a middleman that doesn't want to notify people um I've noticed that twitch always sends notifications right now yeah it does yeah. that could change but I mean that's another platform that people could could try and upload to but it's really hard to build an audience there to kind of piggyback off what you're saying, I think what's really important for up and coming or people that want to be content creators, I think you have to look at the platform. Like, what do you want to do? Are you a filmmaker? Do you want to make short films or, or whatever? Um, and is that all you want to do? Because if that's the case, that means you're talking about like every few months, maybe you're uploading a video, maybe once a year you're uploading a video. So YouTube doesn't favor those kind of creators. So uh, you need yeah. to you need to look at that before you pick your platform. And then maybe um, like find a channel like ours or someone else like I know Machinima used to host like fan film stuff. Find someone else to host it. Like if you don't want to be like a online personality and constantly upload YouTube videos every single week, you can host it somewhere else. Yeah, that's definitely that's a big incentive for why we we did that cuz for us we like to make, you know, the highest quality stuff we can. And we do rel- relatively upload regularly, like we, especially with Dragon Ball Super out, we're doing weekly stuff. But, um, you know, we want to put all our energy into the big, like, internet blockbuster thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that used to, the algorithm on YouTube used to cater to that just like everything else. But now that everything's changed, like like she's saying, it, it is more like you got to talk about trending topics or you got to find something that keeps you making content basically daily. And if that's what you're wanting to do as a new creator, then maybe YouTube's the perfect spot. But I would overall, my biggest advice would be not to let views or any of that be something you're thinking about, like, while you're Mm -hmm. making your film. Like, make something good, like something great that has a great story, great characters, and the views will come. Yeah, I think that's going into, like, with these studios that are just trying to capitalize on things and they're not actually thinking of 
the passion of the fandom. So instead of, of going into it thinking, I'm going to go viral or be famous from this, instead making it because it's something you're passionate about. Something that you can't not make. Like, that's yeah. how, like, it was with us. It's like, people are always like, oh, why? How did you get into that? And it's like, I, we didn't ever think about it. We just couldn't not do it. Like, it was, like, just something we had an itch. Like, we had to make these films. And so we did. It wasn't like a second thought. Yeah, or you remember the music videos when like Obama would have a speech and then someone would make a mashup oh, uh-huh, video yeah. with like every word and it yeah. would be like a popular song. Yeah. Like that, that trendy kind of thing. I remember there was a moment when that was authentically going viral online and companies like big networks were wanting that same like, I want the viral video. There was that phase where everyone, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, we, we're looking for viral. Let's, uh, we're buying viral it. content. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? What do you, if things aren't, you can't buy viral. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but people overlook why things go viral. People Videos go viral because some crazy person right. had the audacity to spend obscene right. amount of time on something that didn't need to exist. Yeah. But now that it exists, it's all <laughs> All yes. you could have ever wanted. And like and when you when you pay for that, you're paying for like, okay, I need this in five days. Well, actually the last video took me a month to make and that's yeah. why it's got thirty million views or yeah. whatever it is, you know. So also the yeah it's it weird. Feels super like corny and corporate. I remember before we started recording, I told you that I was at full screen uh-huh. and that's the note they would always give us in the writer's <laughs> room was like, Okay, but how can we make sure this goes viral? Yeah. Um, if you understand the actual definition of the word viral is right. like unexpectedly like an anomaly. An it's anomaly. An anomaly. <laughs> well, that was with Light of Hope. What was so crazy is we worked on that thing forever. We knew it was going to do well because we'd kind of built up a little audience and some hype behind it because it was, you know, people. What's cool about what we've been able to do is we kind of take people on the ride of us just putting stuff together. So it felt like it was a community making the thing. So. When we finally uploaded it, we were like, man, they're probably tired of waiting. Who knows? It was like 5 a.m. We'd been trying to upload the video for 24 hours. And then like all of the Internet gods were raining down on us and punishing us and things were going wrong. And finally, it was like 5 a.m. We uploaded the video. I had to go to work at like 7. We just laid down for like an hour, woke up, and it was like already like it hit like 75,000 views. And we're like, wow. Oh, like, that's good. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're done here. Like, we kind of <laughs> did it. And, and then it was like, I got, we got, I got home from work and it was like a million and a yeah. half or something like that. And it, it just, wow, okay, that's great. It doesn't have to go any further than that. And it just kept happening. It was like every day, we're like, <laughs> it's not stopping. It's been a week. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's, still, it's going. still climbing. It was like, this is, the, so this is the viral thing. All right. So it, it is weird because when you get the taste of that viral bug, you think, oh, man, like we got to keep that up. But you got to accept things happen sometimes mm-hmm. that are so out of your control. All you can do is just make good content that you're proud of and just let the Internet do its thing. Also, too, you know? I will say on that note, to follow up on that, like the pilot episode has way more views than the the latest film we released, which was like episode two and three combined as a film. But as a filmmaker, I am so much more proud of the second film. Yeah. And even though it has like one tenth of the views, it doesn't matter. Like I would much rather have people watch that. I'm more proud of that. It doesn't have anything to do with the view count. That's what I'm proud of. Yeah. Because I'm, I mean, we were better as filmmakers. That was actually our first film out of film school out in LA. So uh-huh. like 
we we were garbage filmmakers at the time. <laughs> we like ran around in Griffith Park with like a camera, and that's. Oh, was that where it was filmed? The a first one. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love whenever it's like, oh, yeah, I run there. I yeah. recognize that. Yeah, we shot in anything that was free. Like, we shot in our apartment for one of the scenes with Gohan in the first one, which we were really proud because it didn't look like our apartment. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we did it. <laughs> yeah, we made that happen. It's, an, it's like a, you can't quite identify what this place is. So what do you feel is next for you two? Uh, well, right now we're working on a fan film called Blue Exorcist. It's anime inspired. Uh, I know Blue Exorcist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's about actually, Rita, you're directing that one, so why don't you take take that? Um, basically, we're just adapting the Blue Exorcist uh, anime, more so the manga than the anime, and just trying to hone our skills as filmmakers. Uh, the the Dragon Ball Z projects were very fight based, very action based, and so now for the next few projects we do, we're just taking a step back. And personally, I'm working on writing. Uh, myself and our teammate Tyler Tackett co-wrote the Blue Exorcist script. And um, probably for the, the next few projects, I'll be looking into writing them, just really practicing writing and directing, and more so character development, the actual story aspect. Um, that's another thing with the first episode of Dragon Ball, uh, the Dragon Ball Z project feels more kind of like a music video. Uh, <laughs> like we just, you know, as filmmakers, we we need to grow and like practice the, you know, the arcs and, and things like that. So we're going to do a few more anime projects that are less action. All right. And so do you think you're going to take a step out of anime and do, uh, you know, make make your big, big Hollywood piece soon? Personally, I would like to make it animated. Piece. Nice. Something I don't know. That's just kind of what I I would like to do next (laughs) after live action. Yeah, no, I I would love to do something animated, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be anime. Just an animated project, and we'll see how it goes. Honestly, I love I love YouTube. I love the feeling of putting your content out there and getting direct feedback with the audience. I love having creative control. um, Of course, shared with Donnie over stuff. Like I don't know how I would handle somebody being like, no, it has to be. This way, like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that, you know, like, personally, I feel like I need to learn my own style first, and then maybe do something that could be bigger budget. Well, that's what's weird is we've both been working in the industry for, you know, a few, quite a few years now. And it, it's, it's so liberating to have your own platform where you can make what you want, how you want, when you want. And it's, you know, we started the YouTube channel to launch our career and become filmmakers, make feature films and all that. But it is, like she said, it's it's become kind of strange. We're in a weird place because, sure, if if a movie comes our way, we're jumping on it. That's awesome. But at the same time, it's gonna it would be really weird to abandon our audience because it is cool to be mm-hmm. able to be on that journey with our followers. So it, it's cool. Like, we we have a Patreon and – uh, those that support us, we monthly will connect with them, tell them what we're doing, where we're at with things, and you know get their thoughts and opinions on things. And it's just it's this really cool collaborative way of making films. When you remove the ego of like I have all the answers, I'm the artor of this film. You know, it's like yeah. no, you're just you're just a guy with or, or or a woman with some creative ideas, and it's possible that the people that are supporting you might want to contribute, especially when it's fan films. You could make the wrong choice just because you've got a million things going on in your head. So it's it, actually light of hope. We credit all the time to doing it the way we did it. Like we were bouncing ideas off people. If we see some crazy comment, 
you know, we might disregard it. And, but we, but <laughs> like we got some crazy suggestions. But every now and then you're like, there's some gems in there. And I just can't help but think, man, like if if uh, Ghost in the Shell read the comments. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for sure. And responded to them. Yeah. Would it e- would we even be in the situation we really were with that movie? really <laughs> needed to respond to one comment. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like a so whole true. bunch. I was going to say, I do feel like studios now are getting smarter where they're vetting out, like, you know, they're kind of letting things leak a little bit or like so-and-so is in talks to play this role. And I feel like a lot of times that's their kind of way of like seeing how the fandom Absolutely, reacts yeah. before they make a full-blown commitment. And I do feel sometimes they've gotten a little bit smart about that. I um, think it's director-based too. Like I saw Chris McKay on Twitter um, and I had a lot of respect for him for putting out this poll. Like he said, like, what's the most important quality of Nightwing to you? Yes. And it involved one was the race. And then it was like acrobats, good looking or whatever. And um, it's because it wasn't until recently that they revealed like Dick Grayson was part Romani in the comics or whatever. Like people thought he was just all white, but then yeah. it was revealed that he wasn't. And so like I respect Chris McKay for putting that out there, even though that meant that like he could no longer have the option to like whitewash this project because that was like such a huge response from fans like oh now you know that he was so you have to cast somebody with that like a piece of that ethnicity in them so yeah but it's also very interesting too you know we talked about the horror stories that could happen with fan films but there are some good stories like i feel like bat in the sun really kind of came out on top because they did the superhero beat down mm-hmm. and uh, for those who don't know superhero beat down is a series on YouTube where it's basically fan films that pit different superheroes against each other. And they were the ones who got the chance to create the Ninjak versus the World uh, web series, which is uh, based off of the Valiant Comics universe. So they went from doing, you know, unauthorized fan stuff to just going straight up, getting the rights and actually getting to do a legit take on stuff or look at the street fighter yeah i was about to say that yeah uh official one after oh wow yeah so they did street fighter legacy and then they got permission from capcom to do the street fighter uh assassin's fist uh series and funding too and now it's on hulu uh, no no it's on amazon it's on uh well it was on go 90 but it's on amazon now so it's like it's cool man it's we're really watching all of the different facets of the entertainment industry kind of merge in this new way it's cool that there's but that is also including youtubers you know well that's the thing like everything's becoming so micro-based, like micro-channel-based. Like, we just started our Twitch channel, and we'll have people, we'll stream for, like, five hours, and there's people, like, spending their time watching us. Oh, I yeah. don't know why, but um, <laughs> it's kind of like everything's so split up that eventually, once, especially the younger generation comes up, entertainment is going to have to realize that, like, okay, they're going to watch what they want to watch, and I think that's going to change things. Oh, big time. Especially for your internet creators. I mean, it's already changed things so much. It's the whole reason Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon are thriving so much is because now we've fostered a culture of watching what we want when we want Mm -hmm. versus sitting around and waiting weekly. So much so that it's a weird treat when they flip it on us like with the handmaid's tale like they they release that on a weekly basis and people were like oh this is different special (laughs) Yeah. yeah It's regular TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Amazon also has their pilot season where you can vote 
Yeah, that's a big wow. thing. They'll so you as the audience gets to watch the pilot episode and then you vote on what gets picked up. See, that's a big deal. It that's is a big so huge. And if you have a lot of friends, <laughs> yeah, I have yeah, some yeah. friends that their shows got picked up and they were just like tweeting out, getting all their famous <laughs> friends to retweet yeah. them, and uh, so dope. it is cool though for for creators to have that that opportunity. Uh, the, yeah, yeah it's, the internet's been the great equalizer in a lot of ways. It's kind of a weird thing because we're watching the like I mean the establishment for lack of a better expression mm-hmm. kind of figure things out and kind of get involved as well. But like we still have a lot more control than creators did ten years ago, five oh, years ago even. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to leave this off, uh, Danny and Rito. Where can people find you? Uh, Robot Underdog on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, YouTube, it's Robot Underdog 2, just the number two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, Love it. And yeah, I think that's it. You can find us individually on Instagram, um, Donnie McMillan. And I'm Rita McMillan on Instagram. But yeah, definitely the YouTube page. Go subscribe. Oh, and on Twitch, too. Can't forget Twitch. We literally uh, just yeah, started why, our Twitch, so it's me? like we always forget to say Twitch. Yeah. But uh we stream twice a week on Twitch. And don't forget, if you have made a fan film or are looking to, they are accepting submissions. Yeah. Yeah, actually, uh, and we're going to be releasing our first one of that series, which is going to be, it's called Red Hood It, and it's going to be releasing in a week or so. Next so, week. Yeah, so it's going to be awesome. The teaser's So it will already, have been released. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, well... You know me. You can catch me at ifywadiway, I-F-Y-N-W-A-D-I-W-E on Twitter and Instagram. It's your boy, IfDs on the Twitch. A lot of y'all been coming out. Zeitgang, I've, I've been seeing you. Uh, uh, Zeitgang, hashtag nerdgang, too. Nerdgang. Yeah. I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez, M-S-D-A-N-I-F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. And uh, also follow us on our socials, at Nerdificent, everywhere on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and uh, Twitter and let us know what you want us to cover and uh, some of your favorite fan films or if you've made a fan film send it to us oh yeah definitely we'll, we'll RT those on the social account and uh, you know if you haven't already leave a five star review tell us how much you love us it helps us out a great deal thank you so much and I'll see y'all later Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey there, parents and teachers. Are you tired of feeling like every day is a battle of wills with your kids? Let me tell you about something that changed the game. Love and logic. Love and Logic isn't just another parenting or teaching strategy. It's a mindset shift that empowers you to raise responsible, respectful kids while keeping your sanity intact. With Love and Logic, you'll learn practical techniques to set limits with empathy, give your kids the tools they need to make smart choices, and build relationships based on mutual respect and understanding. Love and Logic stands behind their methods with a one-year money-back guarantee. Try it out risk-free. If it doesn't change your life, we'll buy it back. Plus, you can get 10% off with code IHEART10. So if you're ready to say goodbye to power struggles and hello to peaceful, loving relationships with your kids, it's time to give Love & Logic a try. Visit their website or call today. Your sanity will thank you. Love & Logic. 
Because parenting and teaching should be a joy, not a chore. Visit loveandlogic.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.